Chapter 19 of Titus, A Comrade of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellen Preckle. Titus, A Comrade of the Cross by Florence M. Kingsley. Chapter 19. Chapter 19. Thou hast won favour in the sight of thy master, young man, I will tell thee that. As for myself, thou hast been faithful in thy duties above most that have come under my authority, and I am disposed to befriend thee. I am waxing old now, and the labours of mine office weigh heavily upon me. If thou dost continue to do well, and art discreet and wise, I see no reason why in time thou shouldst not become steward in my place, for I have been prudent with my wages, and have bought a vineyard of mine own, whither I can retire when old age shall overtake me. The speaker was Benoni. He was sitting at ease on a bench in the garden, while Titus stood before him respectfully. The lad flushed with pleasure at these words, but he made no reply, for he saw that the old man had more to say. "'I have an important commission for thee,' continued Benoni, "'and I trust it to thee by special request from the most noble Jairus himself, for I do not deny that I should have selected another to perform it. Not that I do not trust thee.' but that thou lackest wisdom by reason of thy youth. The commission is this, that thou shouldst visit the vineyard which lieth a little beyond Tiberius, carrying with thee monies which shall be paid to the man Caleb, whom thou wilt find in charge of the vineyard. He will dispose of them according to the directions which I have written herein, and which thou shalt deliver to him, together with this bag. In the bag are the monies of which I spoke. Thou must secure it to thy person, and go heavily armed, I shall place at thy disposal a fleet-footed mule, and the journey can be made between now and moonrise, if thou gettest speedily on thy way. I shall be ready within half an hour, said Titus briefly. Thou wilt give me plain directions how to find the place? he added. I will do more, said the old man, looking thoughtful. I will give thee Asa for company. He knoweth the way, for he hath been there many times on the like errand. And when he went on errands of the like, went he alone, or did another go with him? asked Titus. He went alone, replied the old man unguardedly. Then, seeing the angry flush on the cheek of Titus, he added soothingly, Thou knowest that the country is infested with robbers. Surely it would be safer for two than for one. If thou canst not trust me to go alone, I will not go at all. Let old Asa take the bag and go as heretofore. Nay, nay, lad, now art thou in an unseemly temper. Thou must bridle thy tongue and thy temper, if thou wouldst do well. Did I not tell thee that I trusted thee? Nay, more, I love thee, lad, as if thou wert mine own son. But something tells me that thou shouldst not go forth alone to-day. But am I not strong, fit to meet robbers, if there be any? demanded Titus, drawing himself up to his full height, and throwing back his broad shoulders. I know the ways of robbers, and their haunts, better than thou thinkest, my good Benoni, he added to himself. Then aloud, the excellent Asa would actually be in the way, should we be unfortunate enough to fall among thieves. I can imagine him in the grasp of such an one as Dumachus. What sayest thou? asked Benoni abstractedly. Titus bit his lip. Tis time for me to be off, good Benoni, he said, and if it please thee, I would not be burdened with the company of the worthy Asa. Well, thou shalt have thy way in the matter, and may Jehovah protect thee. Tis a pious wish, assuredly and I will back it up with my stout staff and a brace of knives, said Titus, laughing. But old Benoni shook his head. Tis a pity that thou art a Gentile, lad. Thy words savour of heathendom. 
Half an hour later, the young man, mounted on a strong and speedy mule, was clattering out of the courtyard, the money-bag securely bound about his waist under his tunic, his wallet well stocked with lunch, and a couple of formidable-looking knives thrust into his belt. "'I shall be back long before moonrise. Fare thee well!' And he waved his hand at Benoni with a gay laugh at the sight of his anxious face. The old man shook his head as he went back into the house, and muttered to himself, "'My heart misgiveth me in the matter. Someone should have gone with the lad.' In the meantime, Titus had reached the gate of the city, and was climbing the stony bridle-path which led to the hill road. It was a blithe spring morning. The sunshine lay warm and bright on field and vineyard, green with that vivid emerald tint seen only in spring. The roadsides were gay with blossoms, pink, yellow, and blue, over which floated great butterflies, living blossoms. Birds, busy with nest-building, flitted hither and thither in hedge and thicket, while overhead the lark flooded a thousand acres of sky with melody. Titus drew in long breaths of the fragrant air, then, throwing back his curly head, he too began to sing lustily. Assuredly, twere a good thing to be alive and young on such a morning. Toward noon he began to leave behind the region of vineyards and cultivated fields, alive with busy peasants, and entered upon a comparatively uninhabited and desolate tract of country. Here the narrow road or bridle track, for it was little more, wound among rugged hills amid dense thickets of oleander, tamarisk, and wild olive trees. Titus knew the place well. He was silent now, and alert. Presently he stopped, and fastening the mule, crept cautiously through the underbrush to a little open space which was perfectly concealed from the roadway. Here a tiny spring, clear as crystal and ice-cold, gushed out of the side of the hill, trickled into a rocky basin beneath, then, overflowing, lost itself among the flowers and grasses, which grew lush and rank in this favoured spot. Titus laid his ear to the ground and listened. Then he climbed a tall oak and looked out over the forest. From his lofty perch he could see the road by which he had come, winding like a narrow ribbon along the hillside, the fresh green leaves dancing in the sunshine, glimpses of blue water hundreds of feet below him, while out and away, beyond the hills flecked with shadows, lay Hermon, like a snowy cloud on the far horizon. He slid down the tree, well satisfied, and pushing through the branches, seized the bridle of the mule. "'Thou shalt have water, and that the best thou hast ever tasted,' he cried cheerily, slapping the sleek neck of the animal. Then, having attended to the wants of the beast, he dropped down onto the soft turf, and began to refresh himself with the contents of his wallet. The spot was deliciously cool and sweet, the silence broken only by the distant twitter of birds, the trickling of water, and the steady munching of the mule, intent upon his noonday meal. Titus felt a soft drowsiness stealing over him. He glanced sleepily at his beast, and seeing that he had disposed of only about half his provender, he stretched himself out comfortably, and pillowing his head on his arm, fell asleep. How long he slept he did not know, but he awakened with a dim sense that something was wrong. Moving uneasily, he opened his eyes. Then the full extent of his folly burst upon him. He was bound securely, hand and foot. Against a tree-trunk nearby lounged Dumicus, regarding him with a hideous leer of triumph, while the rest of the band stood or sprawled at full length on the ground around him. His awakening was the signal for a burst of loud laughter and mocking jeers. "'Art thou refreshed, my pretty youth?' said one and another, in truth we did not think to find thee here, but tis an old tryst, and well known to thee, thou wert awaiting us, no doubt. Titus made an ineffectual struggle to free himself from his bonds, glaring fiercely at his captors as he did so. With thy mule and thy money-bag thou art quite a pretty prize, quoth Dumicus, grinning, 
and shaking the bag which he held in his hand, till the coins within clinked musically. "'And all the more welcome, since we have had nothing but bad luck of late,' growled another. "'We must push on to Jerusalem without further delay. If all goes well there, we shall soon see an end to it,' said Dumicus. "'This,' giving the bag another shake, "'will serve us for the present.' "'Shall I loose the lad?' asked Gaius, with whom Titus had always been a prime favourite. "'Loose him? No!' roared Dumicus. "'I have a score to settle with him first. "'Some time ago,' he added, planting himself in front of Titus and gazing at him ferociously, "'I had occasion to scourge my son Stephen for disobedience. "'Whilst I was so scourging him, someone stunned me with a blow, "'then bound me hand and foot while I was helpless.' Ay, twas handsomely done, too, broke in Gaius with a huge laugh. He lay there shrieking like a demoniac till I myself happened along and loosed him. By my faith, he was so securely bound that he might have lain there yet had the dogs spared him. Twas the fate that thou didst intend for Stephen, said Titus, boiling with indignation at the remembrance. So thou wert the one who did it. I knew it, thou dog of a Jew, hissed Dumicus. Then, quite beside himself with rage, he hurled his long two-edged knife at the helpless boy. It barely missed his head, striking with a dull thud the bole of the tree just behind him, where it stuck fast, quivering with the force of the blow. "'What dost thou mean, man?' cried Gaius, starting forward. "'Wouldst thou murder the lad for a trifle like that? Thine own son, too, as thou hast always declared.' "'I tell thee he is not my son. He is an accursed Jew, and I hate him.' shrieked Dumicus. "'Tis no news to any of us,' said Gaius, with a short laugh, "'but thou shalt not murder him for all that. What sayest thou? Shall I loose him and let him go, or shall we take him with us to Jerusalem?' "'We will take him to Jerusalem,' said Dumicus sullenly, pulling his knife from the trunk of the tree and cutting the cords which bound the lad's feet. "'I shall ride the mule. As for this fellow, let him try to escape me, and I will kill him with my hands.' The whole party was presently under way, two of the men going ahead as scouts, Titus walking with bound hands between two of the others, while the remainder of the band, with Dumicus riding comfortably on the mule in their midst, brought up the rear. Titus was too much wrapped up with his own unhappy thoughts to pay any heed to his companions. Fool that I was, he thought, to sleep in that place of all others. But I made so sure that they were nowhere about. Why did I not take the other road? What will Benoni think when I fail to come to-night? when he finds that I never reached the vineyard with the money. If they had only taken me after I had paid it! And he groaned aloud. "'Do the cords hurt thy wrists?' asked one of the men kindly enough. "'No,' said Titus shortly, then with a gleam of hope. "'Thou wert always my friend, Gaius. Wilt thou not help me to escape?' "'Thou talkest like a fool, boy. Why dost thou wish to escape from us? We are thy friends. Thou hast passed many a merry day in our company ere now.' Use thy wits to placate our worthy chief yonder, and all will be well with thee. Nay, that I cannot do, said Titus sullenly. He hates me, and for my part I hate him. I wish I had killed him the day he beat Stephen. The world might have spared him, said the man, chuckling, and I doubt not twould have been better for him in the end. After a pause, Titus turned to his companion abruptly. Canst thou tell me who I am? Thou didst hear him twice call me a Jew. "'Now thou askest me something I fain would know myself,' replied the man thoughtfully, "'for I doubt not that a handsome sum would be paid for thy return. "'I opine that thou wert stolen from Jerusalem, "'for when I first fell in with the worthy Dumicus, "'he had recently come from Judea, and was a stranger in these parts. "'Thou wert then about three years of age. "'Once in my presence thou didst strike Dumicus in a fit of puny rage "'because he called himself thy father.' 
Titus made no reply. I am glad I am not the son of yonder brute, he thought gloomily. But whose son am I? He hath taught me to hate the Jews. I am a Jew. Stephen is not my brother, and mother is not mother. She must hate me, too, for she hath known this thing, and kept it from me all these long unhappy years. It was night now, and lifting up his eyes he saw the moon rising, large and yellow, behind the dark masses of the hills. The hot tears rose to his eyes. Tis moonrise. Benoni is expecting me now. I shall not come. They will think me a thief. End of chapter 19